a returning guest on popular demand my captain chandra hey garish as a pilot you've been flying since 1998 my mom and dad got me this little jumbo jet he also has the box it came in for there you have been and there you long to return you being a poet today the take off and landing is the most tricky part people don't realize pilots and their homes you guys are gone a lot i know it I don't think it changes my love for flying. All of us want to avoid turbulence. I use this rule of thumb. If it feels like a train, it's okay. If it gets a little more bumpy then definitely it's better to be strapped in. Do you guys work under high pressure environment? Yes. We will make split second decisions in that airplane, but I go to spinnies and stand in front of the ice cream aisle wondering which one to pick. When you meet someone who's not from the world of flying, what is the first thing you get asked? Do you get free tickets? And do you? Can pilots just hand out buddy tickets? This and many other pertinent questions will be answered today on this episode of Hey Karish. Welcome back and I hope you've been enjoying the episodes we've been putting out. We've got some incredible guests lined up in the weeks to come, but today we have a returning guest on popular demand, Captain Chandran, my Captain Chandran. Welcome back, darling. Hey Karish. Hey. And today we're bringing you back in your professional capacity as a pilot. You've been flying since 1998 when you had just turned 18. Yes, that's right. Tell us about you at the airport because that's a story I've heard you tell many times and I love I love listening to it. So you were 17? I left home when I was 17. I landed on my 18th birthday and new place, new country with a new dream. and all thanks to my uh, folks you know mom and dad were supportive at the right time and uh, thank you very much <laughs> thank you amma and appa and uh, yeah from there it was just all onwards and upwards so um you traveled from where to where tell us we were living in doha at that time and i remember i flew british airways via london and landed in phoenix arizona i thought it was something so special i I sat in the cockpit you know back then this was pre 911 so we were allowed to visit the flight deck so I sat in the cockpit for the takeoff and the landings and it was just mind blowing so it was the beginning of my journey in that flight deck and the beginning of your dream to be a pilot someday that goes way back to when you were how old I was 7 years old I remember and uh, I was living in Sharjah at that time Here and in the UAE. Yes, here in the UAE. Uh, my mom and dad got me this little jumbo jet, which was my first airplane toy, which I still have. And, uh, and he also has the box it came in, and it's <laughs> in really bad shape. But he yeah. refuses to put yes. away the box. But yes, continue. So yeah, so that's when it all started. And at that time, I think it, you know, it's like you're so young. You you want to be everything. You want to be. I wanted to be an auto rickshaw driver too. So. we were just having fun i think and at some point along the way it became something that i really just wanted to do and uh, there's no turning back from there the time that we spent together we could be having the most you know detailed conversations deep conversations about you know what's going on with our lives or i could be frustrated about something that's happened and i could be sharing it with chandran but if there's an airplane flying across the sky at that point too bad for me and my story because chandran's gone he's like play 
Every single time you see a plane, tell us what goes on in your mind. It's every pilot. That's how it is. When, yeah, when once you've flown, you know, there's a very famous saying as well, which says that, you know, once you've tasted flight, you walk the earth with your eyes turned skyward, you know, and that's just how it is for all of us. For there you have been and there you long to return. Look at you being a poet today. Now, I know that you have uh, many a times gone up on the rooftop just to see planes taking off and landing. That's one of your favorite sights to enjoy. But when you're actually flying a plane, do you have a favorite part of the job or is it all the same for you? Favorite part, definitely the landing because it's the most challenging. Uh, the environment is constantly changing. So that's the favorite part, no doubt. It's also the most challenging I think the takeoff and landing is always the most challenging. So we definitely switch off from everything else that's happening in the world and just focus on that particular takeoff and that particular landing until we have stopped and parked at the gate. So that's my favorite part. My favorite part is when you're like, I'm on my way home. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens when I'm leaving the hotel only. Huh, yeah, it begins for you. So when you check out of the hotel, you're already like, okay, that's it. I'm heading home. I'm heading home. Yes. It's, it's tough, isn't it, to be gone as much as, as you are? Yes, it is. But you learn to cope with it because you're physically gone, but mentally you're still in more than one place. So, you know, uh, there's lots happening inside your head. And if you're able to remotely uh, sort of assist with things that are happening back home, then we'll try and do that. Uh, and... And your heart is at home at the end of the day. This, I think, is possibly something that a lot of people don't realize about pilots and their homes is that, uh, you know, you guys are gone a lot and uh, your families are pretty much, you know, functioning. They're doing everyday events. They're doing school things, special days or parent-teacher meetings or there's birthdays, family gatherings. All of that continues to happen and you're, you know, coming and going, coming and going uh, we talked about the last time about your rosters and how you can't really plan way into the future. You can only plan about a month ahead. Um, what are, Did you know about these things before you got into flying? And had you known them, would you have still chosen flying? I had no idea. You know, because these are the things that they don't tell you before you start the job. And also it depends from airline to airline. It's very different. So... It's not something we talk about much at that stage. But I mean, now that I know it, I don't think it changes my love for flying. I still love it and it's my passion. So yeah, I, I'm just happy that I'm in a place where I do have a roster and I can plan my days ahead. I'm still waiting to do some things. Like you said, you know, we miss out on our kids' uh, performances and etc. So, you know, those days, they will come one day. So we just keep trying. So I know we've been, uh, I mean, we've been together and you've been asked, are you a pilot or a co-pilot? So there is some kind of uh, understanding, I think, that is required about all the different roles within the aircraft. Right? So do you want to just quickly tell us about those? So yeah, in an airplane, there's two pilots. Both of them are fully qualified to fly that airplane. There's no question of pilot or co-pilot. There is, however, ranks. So we have a captain who's uh, in command of the airplane then we have a second in command who is the first officer and in the back of the airplane in the cabin you have a purser and uh, many cabin crew so the team works together and the captain is in charge and that's pretty much how it works so there is no 
pilot or co-pilot anymore. That said, you know, one of the very common questions I used to be asked, like especially earlier when I was flying uh, with my previous company and I was flying uh, cargo, people used to approach me and ask me like, so uh, when will they let you fly commercial? And I always thought it was odd. But then the understanding that people have is that, okay, you are flying boxes because they don't trust you yet. With people? With people. <laughs> which is totally not true. Yeah, you fly people, cargo, horses, whatever it is. It is exactly the same skill set that you require to fly that airplane. So Speaking of flying cargo, what's something very unique that you have flown? Actually, horses. I flew horses once from uh, Chicago to Shannon. It was the Sheikh's horses. They were going for training, I think. And I think I had like 34 horses. And and from what we calculated, those horses were worth more than the airplane only. <laughs> Gosh, so they do trust you with a whole lot on cargo, mm, huh? Yeah, definitely. Now, you've done, of course, you know, flights all over the world. You've traveled to countries all over the world. Here's another FAQ for you. And I know a lot of people want to know, have you visited pretty much every country or are there countries you yet to fly to? Oh, there's plenty that I've not flown to. I think most of South America is still unexplored as far as I'm concerned. Also, Africa, many countries in Africa I haven't flown to. Uh, so, yeah, the list is too long. I always feel like, when I want to do holidays together with you, I want both of us to be, to explore a place together for the first time. But that list is, uh, you know, while that list is pretty long for me, it's very short for you. There's very few countries that you haven't been to on a layover, you know, on a flight. Uh, what is it like for you? Do you get visas or easily? How does that work for you? No, actually, when you travel as a crew, you don't need visas for most countries. A few countries do require visas to be pre-approved. But generally, you fly on a crew permit. And so you land there as a crew and you have like a temporary permit to actually stay there for a specific period of time. And, you know, I mean, yeah, there's many countries that I've been to, but we do end up largely taking rest when we go there. We are resting to fly back. So it's not the same like going on a holiday. And also we'll be in some major city and we'll be in a hotel. So the sights that you'd want to see during a holiday is not something that we always get to see. So yeah, we still that list for us to explore is still pretty long. I like that. Um, so let's go back to flying school days. Tell us about some of your, uh, you know, tell us, tell us, share some anecdotes from there. Tell us some stories from there. There's way too many stories, but uh, I, one of the most significant moments that I had from flying school is uh, my first solo. Hmm. And, um, you know, early in your flight training, you, you're always flying with an instructor and, you know, he's, he's there to take over in case, you know, you goof up. But, at some point, you uh, do your first solo and that, it's you in the airplane flying all by yourself. And I remember the first time I flew and it just brought this smile to my face. And uh, that was, the I think, one of the most significant moments in my flight training. I'll never forget that day. It was a clear blue sky morning in Phoenix, Arizona. Fantastic day. Oh my gosh. The only thing I, I can compare this to and... It's really a huge step down, but you know, the first time you're on that bicycle and 
no one's holding you and you're doing it on your own or when you're in the pool in the deep end and you're actually mm. swimming and it's working i that's about that's the extent of it for me uh but one can only imagine the sense of freedom that you might have felt at that point how old were you then i was 18 i was 18 that's it? and a few months it's exactly the same feeling you know it's funny you should bring up the bicycle but you know i remember sitting there and smiling and thinking oh my god i'm doing this i'm doing it which is exactly what we feel when we are on this bike as well so yeah. it's amazing so you mentioned that there's so many stories uh, but this is a podcast and this is where we share pretty much anything we'd like to so let's deep dive into some of those stories so who's been uh, your roommates i know you've got some pretty incredible uh, roommate stories as well at that point so you started flying when you were 18 you started the training and for how many years were you there um well the training itself was only for about 9 months okay and then i worked as a flight instructor and i instructed for the next 4 years before heading back to india so right. yeah the uh, instructor journey was a very different sort of um, flying it's it's where i think you build your um hours your confidence your skills all of it you know because you just need to bring everything together so does that help you land your next job yeah so in aviation basically the number of hours you have is what matters different airlines have different requirements so the more experience you have the more hours you have the better job you're going to land or at least you will be meeting requirements for more airlines that's how it works we build experience uh, one way or the other in my case i was a flight instructor and uh, that's how i built my experience and i love teaching that's what i realized from that stint if you had to redo everything is there anything that you do differently i know that there's one particular incident where you did something that you were not supposed to do many <laughs> uh, many <laughs> yeah that's how you learn you make mistakes you learn it's just like a bicycle right you fall you learn you know except yeah you you have an instructor with you so he's going to make sure you're not really falling <laughs> but uh, yeah there's many instances um i know that i learned more from my failures than when everything went smoothly so those are definitely you know what taught me and i think you need to have a certain type of teacher who's going to let you make that mistake so i've had many landings early in my career where i've just absolutely smashed it on the runway and it simply taught me that okay let me not do that again and i think that was all thanks to my lovely instructor you had obviously made friends in your training days and i remember actually uh, you telling me this interesting uh, anecdote about how when you started the training there were how many students in your class 36 approximately yeah and towards the end of those 9 months how many of you actually graduated i think there was only like 7 of us that actually graduated most of the students dropped out at various stages for different reasons so yeah it's it's challenging uh, you have to sort of persevere through the course to actually make it through it was kind of like a, a wake up call for me because uh, everyone around me was people who had worked for years to save money and then you know sort of fulfill their dream to become a pilot and there i was 18 years old my parents had foot the bill and sent me off to pursue my dream so you know i realized that this was a gift and i cannot uh, 
waste this opportunity so it definitely made me more serious you know i got into studying a little bit more seriously and uh, yeah i i am thankful and eternally grateful to them for it that realization you know did that change anything for you did anything change in the way that uh, things were being done yeah definitely like you know once i was done with my training and i was uh, working as a flight instructor i also uh, needed to pay the bills and i did not want to be dependent on my parents anymore so on the side i was doing a job as a waiter in a restaurant and i remember the first time i went in it was my first job actually and um, i remember just driving past this restaurant which said help wanted and i decided to walk in there and uh, i didn't know how to ask for a job you needed help yeah i was so scared i walked in there and i sat down like a customer and i ordered for a dosa it was a south indian restaurant and um, i quietly ate the dosa while i am eating the dosa i am trying to muster up courage to you know ask so then i go up to pay the bill and i'm like so i saw the sign outside and and the lady was like yeah you know um, this is the job and this is how much you get i was like okay when can i start so that was my first job waiting tables in an indian restaurant on bell road in the middle of phoenix and um i did that for some time and that's how i paid my bills so i'd fly early in the morning before the restaurant opened and come quickly do a little bit of work here and then again after lunch go fly a little bit more then come back and work the rest of the evening so it was a long day but it put food on the table now speaking of food on the table um you know i'm reminded of this um, story that you've often told me about amma and how she would give you and you know your siblings your three of you and she'd give you all tasks to do and at the end of the task she'd give you you know a nice plate of hot food yeah that was our reward so tell us about that and then tell us about what how that impacted you or what that did when you were an adult how how that played out in your life yeah that's that's actually a very good story because um you know growing up uh, we were a very uh, middle class family so we did everything on our own we did not have any help uh, so each of us were given a task to complete like okay uh, you do the vacuuming one person does the ironing of the clothes and etc so we always thought like okay what is this you know mom's making us do all of this work and um, at the end of it you know we'd sit down have a nice meal and then fast forward years later i was in my own apartment doing exactly the same thing and you know i'd vacuum the whole house and then realize at the end of it that oh okay there's no one to give me a pat on the back is i better make my own food <laughs> so that's when i remembered what mom had taught me and how i missed having you know that love from mom so yeah it was it was eye opening for sure now the friends that you made in those days are they still pilots all of them most of them are still flying yeah and uh, all over the globe a few of them actually here in uae that's uh, nice i get to meet some of them after years and years and years and and we've traveled the world and seen so many other jobs and you know scenarios and different airports and we get to share all of that together even today but i remember my first roommate and this was uh, it was literally a few days after i had moved into my dorm and 
and i am like miles away from india so i am expecting a very different kind of environment i walk into my apartment and i see my roommate and guess what he's a sardar ji <laughs> and his name was parminder singh grul and the first thing he said shocked me because he spoke with a british accent you know satellite dish that's what he said <laughs> so yeah it was a bit of a shocker for me and uh, but then i realized okay you know this is this is a new world hmm. and uh, yeah i we still in touch and it's nice uh, nice to have friends from so many years ago you mentioned earlier that you know you were telling me us an incident and you said that was before 911 what changed with 911 i mean a lot changed i mean the the rules um, and regulations for you know employment of course everything changed especially in the us they obviously made uh, job opportunities a little hard to come by it had its effect on aviation but it was only short lived i think in a few years slowly there was recovery aviation was booming especially back in india i mean if anything i think i returned back maybe 6 months too early uh, so i didn't quite see the boom but i was very happy that um, i was able to land a job when i got back home in india you were working with blue dart yeah i yes. didn't know that blue dart had airplanes yes most I mean, people don't yes <laughs> right so i've lived i've grown up in india in mumbai and uh, blue dart yeah of course i know the courier company but i did not know about this whole flying aspect to it did you also discover this when you went back to india or for you it was always something that because you guys discussed jobs so you always knew about it no i didn't really know about blue dart until i came to india and uh, yeah in fact their corporate headquarters is in bombay only and while everyone is sleeping quietly we not so quietly we make a little bit of noise with those jet airplanes but we are hopping from one city to the other delivering your packages <laughs> what's the most number of cities you've stopped at in one night in one night five cities wow yeah so if we start from chennai we go from chennai to bangalore bombay delhi calcutta and we'll stop at the end of that but there have been times when because of you know fog we've not been able to land so we end up going to a a different airport which means we have to do one more sector once the fog clears out and yeah so that makes it five and that's the most i've ever done and it is tiring flying all night is uh, not not easy ah uh, yeah certainly none of it is easy uh, but what is a difficult landing that you remember having done in your career see i mean especially in india during the monsoons you have lots of weather you know so it's it's a constantly changing environment and yeah flying into bombay with heavy rains it's uh, it's quite challenging but i think the the worst experience that i've had was actually out of calcutta and it was on a takeoff and uh, it was one of these days monsoons it had been raining nonstop for like 2 days just as we took off one of my uh, air data computers failed and so we started getting spurious warnings and this was just after lift off so all the instruments were showing wrong information and we were in the middle of weather so 
so it was a uh, it was definitely um, something that was counterintuitive i had to sort of not rely on my instincts and focus on you know what i'm seeing in front of me and uh, yeah the both uh, my first officer and i together we managed to handle that airplane really well that day and fly out of it that was that was definitely the most hairy moment for me so far when passengers get on an airplane i think all of us want to avoid feeling turbulence and because it just creates a lot of panic really break that down for us break you know the situation in the cockpit down for us during turbulence see it's very simple i use this rule of thumb if it feels like a train it's okay I mean when we're sitting at the back and yeah if like you are train. sitting there and it's feeling it's rocking like it's a it's a you know your local train ah got it okay yeah we uh, i definitely feel like it's better to be strapped in because the reality of it is the air is constantly moving you are going to experience some level of you know bumps that said it is very serious um, when the seat belt sign is on it means that there is some turbulence that's expected and it could be you know quite severe hmm. so it's important for you to sort of follow the you know instructions that are being given to you and strap in you know that's the best the safest thing you can do so however bad the air, turbulence gets the airplane is designed to withstand it so the harm that you're going to do is only you know by not strapping in you could bump into something you could bang your head somewhere etc so anytime it's bumpy just strap in enjoy the movie that's it so a lot of us uh, you know we come from india and a lot of us believe that it's an indian thing to as soon as the plane has touched the runway you know where our seat belts are off and we're ready with getting our bags out of there we want to be the first ones out of immigration and get out of the airport right is it just an india thing absolutely not i think it's a human thing as soon as you hear that click it doesn't matter where in the world you are the whole lot will open their seat belts and start jumping out of their seats it's happened all the time i mean i i've had to you know make pas to say hey guys please remain seated because we have not reached our parking spot yet Why is it important though for passenger safety to be buckled in all the way to the parking spot because once you've landed after that it's pretty much uh, now it's just going to the parking lot no now what is the need Yeah it's the same thing like uh, buckling in when you're in your car you know because once you've landed now it's a car and as you know for safety you must always have your seat belts on and if we are going to break suddenly for whatever reason you know i mean sometimes you have a little you know in in some countries you can have like dogs crossing the taxiway really you, know, you never know um, so if you have to break suddenly and you're standing you're going to fall and that's going to hurt you so you know it's important until the airplane is fully stationary and that seat belt sign is switched off remain seated there's no way you can go anyways the doors are closed yeah this is true they are close you often talk to me about the storms that you fly through right are all storms the same level or some less scary some more no actually firstly we try and fly around the storms huh. we don't want to fly into the storm <laughs> sometimes huh. there is a case where there's no way for us to go around it it is so big so then we find you know the least 
you know, strong area and try to penetrate through it. But it's definitely something that we are concerned about too because, you know, the storms are, they, they have various things, lightning, hail, turbulence. These are all things that are going to affect the airplane and at no point do we want the passengers to feel any of it. So yeah, we've, we'll avoid it by hundreds of miles if we need to. And you always have enough fuel to do these That's things? That's the tricky bit. We don't always have the fuel. So, you know, we rely a lot on uh, forecasts to be accurate. And, you know, in today's day and age, they are pretty accurate. So we're able to plan accordingly and have everything as required. One of my favorite uh, flying movies has to be Airplane. I love watching it. I remember watching it actually on TikTok. It was popping up a lot on my feed, like just scenes from it. And I remember showing you saying, what is this movie? I want to watch it. And you actually had it with you. Yes, I have it on DVD. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, Airplane, of course, is hilarious. And it's meant to be inaccurate and all of that. It is one of those inaccurate movies that you can enjoy watching. Yeah. It's fantastic. But, but when you're watching a movie about, you know, pilots or flying whether it's uh, from India or from anywhere else in the world, really, what are some very, like, over-the-top mistakes that you're like, come on, guys, this also you didn't get right? Yeah, one of the most common mistakes that they make is just how that cockpit looks. You know, they'll show an image of two pilots sitting in front of what looks like one cardboard thingy with squares, and it has nothing to do with a real airplane. And you know straight away, okay, that's not real. You know, and some in some movies they do get it accurate, but um, some other things like um, like the actions that are done, the the instructions that are given, they are all wrong, wrong for the wrong moment. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little putting off for a person who understands how it works. I'm sure it's the same for you in in showbiz, like when you can see something is not being done the way it's supposed Absolutely. to. A few movies about radio presenters and it feels like they're always a little over the top, excited at like 7 in the morning and it's like, okay, that would be very annoying, you know. So, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, is Sully your favorite flying movie? <laughs> I'll say it is one of the most accurate flying movies. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one I'll watch time and again. But there is also another very inaccurate movie which I will watch a million times and that's Top Gun. <laughs> Every pilot out there, I know you're going to be watching Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, but, what is it? What but, is it with pilots and Top Gun? Please explain this. I don't this. know. It's just exhilarating. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, um, I think, something that we grew up with. At least that generation. I don't know about the new generation, whether they still have the same feeling, but uh, definitely from my generation, we spoke, you know, it's like uh, Shah Rukh Khan dialogues, you know, we huh. spoke Tom Cruise dialogues from Top Gun. Yeah, I think you all still do. Uh, it's, it doesn't work anymore though. <laughs> yeah, no one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> and that's the other thing, right? So when you're with your buddies, is everything you discuss to do with flying? Yeah, most often we do... I mean, it somehow just comes back to that. Yeah. We end up talking about something related to flying or the other. So, yeah, it's, I think it's how we relate with each other. I mean, most of my friends are pilots. So it's just, it's a given that we're going to end up talking about shop. 
And when you meet someone who's not from the world of flying, what is the first thing you get asked? Do you get free tickets? And do you? No, we get one. One a year. And buddy tickets. Can you just hand these out? How does it work? No, it depends on the company. And each company has their own policy. And no, the answer is simply you can't just hand them out. Most often, uh, you will have a limited number of seats that you can give away. And uh, yeah, depending on your company, maybe or maybe not. Something that I am very, very impressed by with the way that your career goes is that you don't bring work home. I regularly bring work home and you hardly ever do that. How are you able to do that? Because I can't bring my airplane home. It's parked in the airport. Finished. Yeah, but I can't bring my radio station home either. When you turn off the engine, what happens? I'm switched off. That's it. Actually, that, you know, good thing you talked about turning off the engines. That literally is when we stop, you know, thinking a certain way. And um, so after after we've parked, we've gotten out of that airplane, there's really not much for us to do with regard to the work. So So we're able to just switch off and focus fully on, you know, what's happening at home. And then when uh, you start to prepare for your next flight, you know, that's when you get back into the groove again and start thinking differently. And once again in the airplane, like I told you earlier, take off and landing, everything else gets switched off and you just focus. I think focus is the number one thing that this profession teaches you to have discipline to do, you know, every single time. So, yeah. What's something that you've learned from your, you know, your career and you have magnified it in your personal life. Very often with you, everything comes down to, so here's how we do things in flying. And then I'll be discussing, you know, whatever issues I'm going through and Chandra will be telling me in flying, this is what happens. Why don't you give us some of those? See, I mean, I can't get examples off the top of my head, but some of the, you know, qualities that go into piloting an airplane... Mm -hmm which um, which is like uh, decision making and problem solving workload management you know these are things that we use daily continuously in the work environment mm. and the reality of it is if you can apply some of that in your personal life workload management for example trying to divide tasks based on priority you know delaying one thing versus expediting one you you just apply it in personal life as well and and largely it seems to work so why do it any other way so we do switch off from work but we bring along with us all the the qualities that are necessary to do that job working under stress right you guys work under high pressure environment yes and you know this is uh, very funny to me because we will make split-second decisions in that airplane when we need to. But I'll go to the local spinnies and stand in front of the ice cream aisle wondering which one to pick for hours. And it's that's just something that's... You know, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to it. Well, I think uh, OB has decided this podcast needs to end right here, right now. Um, that, by the way, is, uh, is our 15-year-old... Beautiful, beautiful boy. He's a bit of a gunda. That's what I like to <laughs> point out. But uh, he's Chandran's uh, longtime companion. Yeah, this guy is Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's been with me 
from Chennai and then Bangalore and moved with me to Dubai. And yeah, he's been, uh, he's been here all along. He's he been has. through some crazy times as well. Well, we hope that you'll come back and uh, we'll do maybe one uh, episode with the dogs, you, me and Lucky and Obi. Obi, I think uh, they want you back. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Can you say, hey, Karish? Can you, can you tell them to subscribe to this channel, yeah. Obi? Bibi, I'm telling you, he's very cute. Turn him towards the camera, they'll subscribe. <laughs> okay, okay. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> I think you're still going to have to do the talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was enough. <laughs> yes, we'll be back soon for sure. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Hey Karish. We're going to see you once again next week with another guest. And of course, thank you, uh, Chandran, for taking the time out. And if you hadn't, I would have put you out on the sofa, so you had no option. Pleasure to be here. Of course, if you have any questions, then you can go ahead and put them in the comments and we will make sure that we bring Chandran back again to take your questions. Please uh, like, share and subscribe to this channel.